formula is T plus C plus C equals ST. The T stands for takeaway. So when you think about the takeaway, everything that's happening in your life, good, bad, ugly, indifferent, what can you take away from it? When you realize what can you take away from it, what are those things that add value to you? What are those lessons you learn? Once you realize what you can take away from it, then the C is to correlate. How can you correlate it to where you're at right now or where you're gonna be going? So with these changes, with these adjustments, how can you take away some of those, that knowledge, that wisdom, that value you had from the last, the last normal, and how do they correlate to this new normal? Once you realize how they correlate, the next thing you gotta do is realize, how do you carry them over? And once you realize how you can take those values, those lessons, with that wisdom, correlate to where you're at right now and where you're looking to go, and you realize how you can carry it over, if you can carry it over efficiently and effectively, you can have what we call a successful transition. Yo, and welcome to the Always Better Than Yesterday podcast with me, Ryan Hartley. And if you are not yet a member of our Facebook community, we are always better than yesterday. Pause right now, head over to Facebook and come and join us. Come and join like-minded people from all around the world who believe in developing themselves and others to be better than we were yesterday. Welcome to the interview sessions where I interview successful and inspiring people about their habits, their mindset, their heart and their leadership. These interviews are brought to you by our good friends at Web Creation. Head to webcreationgroup.com for stunning websites at sensible prices. Today I am joined by my very special guest Derek Furlow Jr. Derek, growing up as a kid, just wanted a better life. You'll hear in the episode that there were a, a number of sports he was good at, but he chose football, American football, as the vehicle that could help him do that. He, following you know success in, in what he was doing through football, he was able to successfully transition into sales and was very, very good at what he did. He then took the time to unpack and learn the principles of his successful transition. And now he shows up helping people impact and inspire and empower people to put them in the position to transition, impacting your perspective, inspiring you to be great, empowering you with the tools and knowledge for what it takes. This is a great conversation. Be sure to check out Derek, see what he's doing, connect with him at derekfurlow.com. Check out his book, What Next? But enjoy the next half an hour. I'd love to know what resonates with you. Be sure to let me know and share this with the one person in your network that you feel would benefit from hearing Derek's message today. Much love. Yo, and welcome back to the Always Better Than Yesterday interview sessions with me, Ryan Hartley. And today I'm joined by my very special guest, Derek Furlow Jr. Welcome, Derek. How are you, my friend? I am wonderful in the midst of the chaos, Ryan. So definitely thank you for having me on, man. And um, I'm definitely honored for the opportunity to, to, to join you and, 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 and be a part of the, the Always Better Than Yesterday movement, baby. 
Love that. Love that. It's great to have you. Please do me the honor of introducing your good self, sharing a little bit about your story and what you do now. Man, that's going to be an earful, so I hope, I hope y'all ready. Um, I'm ready. I'm ready. Let's go. <laughs> but once again, I'm Derek Furlow Jr., born and raised in southwest Atlanta, Georgia, over here in the States. Um, raised by a single mom with three kids. And in the process of, of growing up, we didn't, we didn't have much. We stayed in the inner city and the, the, the government housing. And we didn't have a lot. So in the midst of my mom doing the best to give us the best life and the best opportunity to, 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 to grow up safely, we did a lot of moving. So I moved around a lot as, as a kid. And I became real good at making friends because I realized if I didn't meet you by the time school started, I probably wasn't going to see you again by the time school ended. <laughs> ended up going to three to four different elementary schools by the time I got to fifth grade. And we finally moved out of the inner city um, of Atlanta down to Griffin, Georgia. And at that point, my mom met what's today her husband. And I was finally afforded the opportunity to play organized sports because prior to that, we couldn't afford it. And I played in the street. So finally, when I was able to start playing organized sports, I realized that sports could be a vehicle for me because in the environment I was in, I seen a lot of guys selling drugs or, or rapping and a lot of it had to do with them going to jail or, or being around police. And that, that always made me nervous. It always made me scared. and always made me uncertain of what my future would hold. Mm -hmm. So after getting introduced to organized sports, I finally make it to high school and I finally played football, basketball and track all in one season. And they start telling me that I'm pretty good. And at that point, I wasn't sure which one I was good at. But I finally started to, to come into this confidence and develop a name for myself. And sure enough, my stepdad got a promotion and a, and a raise. So life is getting better. But they didn't tell me that the raise came with a move. And he ended up moving. We ended up moving to a place called CrossFit, Arkansas. Now, I'm not sure about you, Ryan, if you know where Arkansas is on the map. But I'm from the States, and I didn't know where Arkansas was. <laughs> So when I got there, it was not a place for me. So at that point, sports became serious. And I said, okay, I didn't like my life. I didn't, I wasn't happy with it, but I had to start taking responsibility and accountability for my own happiness. Cause I realized my mom was doing the best she had with what she got, what she was at. So if I wanted anything more than what we had, I had to do something about it. So that's when I came up with my first plan of my life and I called it the get out of Arkansas plan. And <laughs> That was going to get me a full ride scholarship back to the University of Georgia. And I went to work and it was pretty much going to be in sports. Which one was it going to be? I'm not sure. So I played basketball and then I went home over the Christmas break, came back and I missed some games, some practices. And coach said, hey, you got to run 500 bleachers before you can play basketball on this team again. And I told coach I didn't like basketball that much. So basketball went out there. <laughs> so they left track. Track came around. I ran track. And... Quite frankly, it felt like punishment. So that went track. And that left me with football. Football at the time, I didn't play as much as I wanted to. But I seen a guy that I already committed to the University of Arkansas. And I seen his numbers and his stats. And I said, you know what? I can do that. So once I made my game plan, if I get out of Arkansas plan, I made the stats better than his stats. Because I realized if my stats were better than his stats, by default, I got to get me a full-round scholarship. So, Scott, the idea was to rush for 2,200 yards, 20 touchdowns, take the school and the city to the first state championship. If I win the state championship, we're going to get enough attention, enough recognition. I'll give me some full ride scholarship opportunities, and I can go back to Georgia. Well, my um, junior year comes, and I get to work, 
And sure enough, we end up rallying off the first win, the second win, the third win, the fourth win. We look up, first time in school history, we're 8-0. Finish the season 10-0, first time in school history. They say, you know, we got three rounds in the playoffs before we get to the state championship game. The first game we win, the second game we win, and that third game, it was a close game. And we ended up blowing it at the end because it was wet the whole time and we couldn't keep ourselves up. So that team ended up beating us 21-7, and I don't complete the get-out-of-Arkansas plan. I'm mad, I'm upset, I'm frustrated. And sure enough, um, I didn't realize that the plan still worked. I started getting letters. I started getting attention. So the idea of me getting out of Arkansas became a real thing. So that summer, I went to work, um, going to camps, going to schools, making sure I was the biggest, strongest, fastest person I could ever become. I came out of playing football. And sure enough, I went to my last camp right before the season start, which was the University of Arkansas. Even though I wasn't going to that school anyway, I still went to that camp. And I ended up coming back from that camp, um, and I had hurt my knee a little bit. Didn't think much of it. My season is a, a couple weeks around the corner for, for the start. And the coach said, hey, you might want to get your knee checked out because it was swelling up on me. I ended up getting it checked out. Come to find out I had torn my meniscus, which you get a scope on it. That'll put you out about three weeks. Well, I ended up getting that surgery. But when I woke up getting rolled out of the operator room, I didn't have a meniscus surgery. I ended up having an ACL surgery. I went in for a surgery that I, and came out with what I wasn't supposed to have. And that took away the life that I knew it because it, became, it made me elite, I mean, uh, obsolete on the football landscape. So my football stage platform was just ripped away from me. All those scholarships that I had and opportunities I had completely went to zero. So at this point, I'm left struck, stuck, wondering what's next for my life? How am I gonna get out of here? And I didn't know what was next for me, but I knew I just had to continue to work. And by grace, I ended up getting this letter in the mail months after the football season, after we ended up going five and five and not making the playoffs. And it was from the University of Tennessee. And they invited me to come up and check out the spring game. And I come up there, which was my only option I had. They didn't know it. And I had a chance to meet the coaches. And they said, hey, we, um, we know you're a heck of a player. We actually saw you here because you were playing on film against two guys that were coming here. So you never know who's watching. And mm. right now, we know that what you're capable of, but right now we can't give you a full-ride scholarship because we're not sure how your knee's going to respond. But if you come back and you play to the level that you're capable of playing on, we got a full-ride scholarship waiting on you. And, man, I was betting on myself, Ryan. That's the only option I had, so I took it. And sure enough, the grind paid off. Um, two years later, I was able to get that full-ride scholarship. Graduated in three years, got my master's in four years. And from that point moving forward, I was able to transition um, to not to the NFL because I hurt my shoulder my senior year but I was able to go play arena ball professionally for two years. And after that, I transitioned to my life after sports and realized that there was a, a lot of intangible transferable skills that the game had taught me that I can go take and use to be successful. And there were a lot of guys and athletes across the world that came before me and that's gonna come after me that wasn't used those intangible transferable skills. So I took that knowledge that I had, was in the sales industry and used that to make me thrive in the sales industry. And then I walked away from the sales industry when I wrote my book, What's Next, How to Transition Like a Champion, and that was designed to teach all those athletes that came before me and after me, and after me how to take those intangible transferable skills that you give the game and how you make those skills relevant in your life and in your business. Because I'm a firm believer that everything you give the game, the game gives back to you. Um, I'm a firm believer that the grind always pays off. It's just in the type of currency. So athletes think that the, that the grind has to pay off what you're going professional or what you're making all this money, but it could pay off in you 
having good people skills, having good relationships, you get a college education, it could pay off multiple different ways. So I discovered my currency and I wanted to create these programs that was gonna allow athletes to transition into their life after sports, but also help people, everyday people that's transitioning from one phase of their life to the next as a champion. So that's how um, the programs I created, book, curriculum, eBooks, and went on to, to, to speak and share this message of how to take those skills that we learn, whether it's in life or in business, and how to, how you can correlate them to the next phase of your life and carry them over so you can have a successful transition. So that's what I do and who I am in a nutshell, Ryan, here on the mission to impact, inspire, and empower people. Love that. Thank you so much for sharing that. And I just just love to dive into the to the story of, you know, your growth and your journey leading up to the scholarship. You know, what what kept you showing up? I, I, I knew I was I, I, I belong there and what kept me showing up it was a chip on my shoulder like I put in all this work early on in my life I had been through so much adversity early in my life when I came out of the operating room and I got to the house and I was doing rehab they had me doing one rehab a day and I told them I need to do three rehabs a day because I, I had this idea that I could come back from it I, I remember sitting in my bed crying asking myself why me and uh, I asked that question enough. And you got to be careful when you ask that question, because sometimes you'll get an answer that you don't want to hear. Mm-hmm. And I just remember the Lord saying to me, I gave you that football stage for the glorification of my kingdom. And you use that stage for your own purpose, selfish ambitions, reasons, and goals. So I had to take that stage away from me to get your attention. And once I started to think about why me, it was really like he had equipped me. He had prepared me for it. Like I was built to handle that. Like, why not me? So... Mm-hmm. Once I got to the University of Tennessee, I knew I had worked the hardest. I knew I knew I could outwork the guys that was already there. I knew that it was no quitting me. I knew that the stuff that I went through growing up, being raised by a single mom, trying to figure out what we gonna pay the light bill or what we gonna eat. Like I knew that 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 toughness mm-hmm. was already instilled. So only way this was not gonna work out is if I quit, and I wasn't gonna quit. So like I said, the grind always pays off. I, I stood in there summer after summer. And to the point, I made it where they couldn't deny me. And once I made it where they couldn't deny me, and I started to look at this thing from a bigger perspective, the bigger picture behind it, and not focusing on my own personal, selfish ambitions, reasons, and goals, which I was doing at the mm. first point. That's why I got delayed. That's why it took so long. It worked out in my favor. So I, I believe I didn't have I, I didn't have a choice. I had to I had to remove the excuses for myself, but I also had to remove those excuses for anybody that was gonna come behind me that was gonna go through some adversity. I didn't want them to have no excuses for, oh, Derek, he, he had it easy. Oh, Derek, he had this route. Oh, Derek, he went to the University of Tennessee. No, nah, bro, this thing didn't go how, it, it didn't go how I thought it was going to go, but it still worked out. And mm-hmm. the reason why it worked out because I, 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 I refused to quit. And I put in the work and I, and I didn't let the adversity shake me because I believe a lot of things, are gonna, either something's happening to you, you just came out of something happening to you, or something's on its way. So <laughs> we always in that stage. Either you, something just happened to you, something, something about to happen to you, or something's on the way. So it never ends. So that was just the thought process, the mindset. So it really was uh, make it happen or die. Like it was no other option. Mm, I love that. On your Instagram bio, it says you're an authorized dealer of hope. What does that mean? <laughs> Man, I found my purpose. My purpose is to impact your perspective, inspire you to be great, and empower you with the tools of knowledge for what it takes. So when it came down to giving hope, everything we do, I believe we give. We, 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 are, we impact people directly or indirectly. So I am just became more conscious and more cognizant to be intentional about those things I do. And I realized my story, my journey gave another cat hope that he can be, be more, do more, have more. He can make it from the inner city of Atlanta 
to, to the University of Tennessee, that he can make it from nobody in his family going to college to, to go get his master's. Like, I believe my actions um, are, since I'm aware that we either are impacting people directly or indirectly, everything I do, I want to be able to give hope. So whether I'm talking it, whether I'm walking it, I want to be an example because I believe people don't need opinions. They need more examples. So the authorized deal of hope, I want, I want to be that, that, that hope. When they see this guy, they can be like, oh, man, he made it in corporate America with dreads hanging down his back. Oh, mm -hmm. he, he made it from sports as an entrepreneur. Like, I want to be that. I want them to say, oh, if he can do it, I can do it. You um you used the word transition, and I know you you're very much into transition mastery. When did you start to realize for yourself that you were able to transition and take those uh, transferable skills? Ryan, that's one of the best questions I've never been asked because I love it. And this is the kicker: when I was little, all the moving we did, like I wasn't cool growing up, right? Like at first I wasn't cool, but over a period of time I got cool, and this was happening <laughs> every time we move, Ryan. I go from one school to another or one grade to another. And at the grade prior to that, I wasn't that cool. But what I realized was that next year I could reinvent myself and make myself that person I wanted to be, that to be that, to be a little cool of a person. So I became cognizant of the art of reinvention and transitioning to making myself better every single year at an early age. But when it really hit was my um, freshman year of high school when we had to move to Arkansas. I didn't want to move. I wanted to go stay with my, with my um, biological dad and my stepmom. And I'm over there. And of course, they're telling me no because they got their own family. And she said something. In the process, I didn't hear. I wasn't trying to hear. I didn't care to hear. And she said, no, you should move. And this is going to give you an opportunity to reinvent yourself. So I wasn't trying to hear that because that's just an excuse for me not to come stay, and stay in Atlanta and have to move to Arkansas. But after we got there, in Georgia, I wasn't the biggest, the strongest, the fastest. I wasn't the best athlete. It was a lot of athletes that were better than me. But when I got to Arkansas, I said, you know what? I'm gonna be the biggest, the strongest, the fastest, the best, the best, the best athlete. And sure enough, I put in the work and they perceived what I gave off. So I became the biggest, the strongest, the fastest, the best athlete. So after I started to pay attention, they got what I gave them. Like people only see what you give them. Kind of like if you look at social media, people only see what they everybody else on the outside see what people show. So when I started coming down to this transition, if I want to be a better, better person, a better athlete, let me do the work and let them see it. And all of a sudden, this art of reinvention became a thing. So that trans transitioning, I, I started to master it because I realized we can go from one stage of our life just mundane and mediocre and be the same person, or we can grow from one stage of our life and be better, stronger, faster, swifter, wiser. So that happened at an early age, and I just happened to tune into it, and I was aware of it. And now I implement it in everything I do. I've seen you've worked with Olympians, you've worked with the NBA stars. What does it mean to, or how do you help people with transition mastery? I mean, I feel, I feel like that's my purpose. Um, so when I do it, I feel good because I understand if they can transition like a champion and they're bigger, they're stronger, they're faster mentally, the people that's looking up to them going to get a chance to get bigger, stronger, faster mentally. It's going to rub off. They're going to impact somebody directly or indirectly. So the work I'm doing, I feel like I'm finally doing something that's bigger than me. And it's not for my own selfish ambitions, reasons, and goals, which was my problem the first time. The first time I missed the message. In the middle of my mess, I missed the message because I was focused on me. Now, I'm not focused on me because this thing is, is bigger than me. And sports showed me that it was bigger than me. However, I missed the message until 
my red shirt sophomore year. And that's when I finally got my scholarship, when I stopped thinking about me, myself, and I. So when I help people transition, I believe that I get a chance to help them and they're going to indirectly impact somebody, directly or indirectly. Mm. And now it's going to have a ripple effect. So it's, a, it's empowering. Talk to me about your book. Hey, the book, the book was the hard, one of the hardest things I ever did um, because I was terrible at English. My Spanish grade was higher than my English grade, but I just, I just had these thoughts going through my head that I had to get out. And um, when I got the 45,000 words, I went and found the heck of an editor and was able to get it out. But the book just gives the people the blueprint. It tells my story in depth, in details, with the blueprint so they can go out here and structure their transition, whether it's in life after sports, whether it's transitioning into entrepreneurship, whether it's transitioning after, after the coronavirus, whether it's transitioning into being a single mom or a single dad, whether it's transitioning into coming out of prison, whether it's transitioning into coming out of the, 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 um, the army or the navy, the principles don't change. And the book is designed to be a, boot, a blueprint to help somebody else make that transition. So um, the book is there. Um, and I'm grateful for it because I believe it's going to leave some wisdom and some knowledge long after I'm gone. It can be a tool that can help people, help catapult people to, the, to, to their greatness. Mm. Do you think about legacy much? Man, it's all about legacy. It's all about legacy. I, um, when, when, you, when you take a look at the foundation of sports, you... A good friend of mine, Inky, used to say this, and, and, and it registered me while we was in college, but that we honor those that came before us, that laid the foundation and the blueprint for the team and what this thing stands for. But where we are, when we done playing that game or whatever stage we're at, the legacy is going to be those guys that's coming behind us. So as personally, I think that's what, what our last name stands for. Our last name is going to outlive our first name. So the things I try to cooperate or, or incorporate or whatever I do, I don't do it for my first name anymore. That was my problem in high school. That's why he took the football stage away from me, because I was doing it for Derek. I wasn't doing it for furlough. So now all the programs I'm, I'm creating or any podcast I get on or anything I do, if I drop enough wisdom, it's going to honor the legacy of furlough that's going to outlive me. So when my wife has my name or, or as my kids, my, if, when I have kids, they have my name one day, they're going to say, hey, that furlough guy, that furlough family, they stand for something versus it being Derek because Derek is no longer here. So I believe our, our, our last name is going to outlive our first name. And um, that's, I, I put it like that on my logo. That's why the, the last name is, is, is more bolder than the first name. So legacy is it's all about it. Mm, I love that perspective. I love that. What, um, what has been the most um, difficult transition for you to make? Oh man, H hands down. The most difficult transitions was transitioning in, into my life after sports. But it happened in two different phases. The first, the identity crisis, the athletes transition. Actually, it's not just athletes. I'm speaking on athletes because I was there, done that. But a lot of people, if you've been in a career for 5, 10, 15, 20 years so long, when you transition to the next phase of your life, you're going to have an identity crisis because that's how you see yourself as. You don't know who you are inside of but that identity struggle my senior year of high school being irrelevant in sports and not for the first time not being an athlete when it was relevant to me and not being in the paper and not being talked about like I was opposite. I had no purpose, no mission, no, no mm. substance. Like that was a tough transition. Luckily enough, it happened my senior year and I, was, I had already made up my mind and I had these goals that I was going to reach anyway. So I kept going because some people don't, wasn't already positioned 
to, 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 to be relentless and pursue those dreams, those goals. So they stop when they get injured. So I'm stubborn enough that I kept going and crazy enough that I kept going. So I had a chance to rebound from that. So when I got to college, after I had the proper perspective, when I transitioned into my life after sports real, then it was just a matter of making those real life adjustments and applying those intangible transferable skills that the game had taught me and realizing, okay, how do they correlate? So once I started figuring out how those lessons were relevant into, into being an entrepreneur or being in sales or for having a job or for working with an employee or for having a boss or for working with a team, when I started to correlate, okay, all this stuff I've already done playing sports, I just got to alter it or make those adjustments over here. Once I figured that out, it became easy. But on the front end of figuring it out and thinking about it and realizing this is something different and realizing that, okay, I'm going to suck at this for a while until I figure it out, just like I sucked at sports for a while until I figured it out. Like that was the toughest part because I had done it so long and it came easy. It was second nature. I can do it unconsciously and I, had, I didn't have a lot of energy into it. So mm. I call it the ultimate transition from an athletic perspective. It's when you transition to your life after sports because you, your, your athletic identity dies. And if, you, mm. if it doesn't die, then you, you hoop dream was what we like to call it for the rest of your life, thinking that you're going to get this phone call that's never going to happen. Or you think you can still go out here and play against these young guys that are way stronger than you and faster than you because you got this ego of what you used to could do in high school or what you used mm. to do in college. So um, that's what we um, like to call it. But that was definitely the ultimate transition for me. And honestly, it, 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 it exhausted me mentally and physically. So now I believe everything else I do in life probably will never exhaust me to that degree as far as physicality. Um, mm -hmm. Mentally, I feel like I'm mentally tough. So now I think I'm built to do anything, which you hear it all the time when you're little, you can do anything when you grow up, you can be anything mm -hmm. you want to be. I didn't believe it at first. But now, after transitioning to life as a sports and not dying and realizing, oh yeah, life does go mm -hmm. on and I can't thrive in something else, I believe I believe I can transition and do anything. And I believe it's actually truly um, empowering. Mm, I love that. I, uh, I come from a policing background and you'd always see that when they'd done their 30 year policing career. And if they had joined at the age of 20, they're looking at retiring at 50 and, you know, young of mind still and still probably want to work after. And they get to that. They, who am I beyond the uniform? Who am I? Be, you know, and, and I see that. And I saw that in my dad as well when he left the prison service after doing a similar stretch of time is he, he's too young to be able to retire like permanently because he wants to keep active. But again, it's what can I do? And I remember having this conversation with him thinking, look at it, look at all these transferable skills you've got. And, and sometimes they're just blinded to it because all they see is the identity of the role that they've taken. So yeah, I can completely relate to, to what you've just said there. Um, my ethos is about helping people be better than yesterday. I'm just really curious to know what that phrase always better than yesterday means to you. Man, always better than that. That's, that's the person who, who, so it's funny. We got this saying, me, my brother, my good friend, he's a D-line coach at Georgia. And um, we got this term, it's called 89ers. And we came up with this in high school, once we moved to Arkansas. And an 89er is, and it's relevant to what, you, what that phrase stands for for me, is someone who's on a relentless pursuit of continual improvement. And eight to nine times out of 10, when you see them, they're grinding, they're working, they're striving, they're pushing. So when you say always better than yesterday, first thing that comes to mind is an 89. Like that's, that's what an 89 is. Relentless pursuit of continual improvement every single day. Mm, yeah, love that. Great answer. Um, you said earlier about uh, furlough standing for something. What are the core values of a furlough? So the, the, the core values of a furlough 
I think they're still they're, they're still being created. However, I, I I do believe that integrity and, and character. I believe you got you got to stand for something. And those on the front end, you got integrity, you got charity, you got love. I still think there's still more to come um, as this journey continue. But on the front end right now, I know I can, I can speak on those because that's what I. I believe in standing for something and I, and I believe in doing the right thing and I believe it's all about love. So it's easier said than done in the world. So I believe if you make that example and you live that example, at some point it, it'll rub off on people. But I, I believe we got some more core values to still add, but as of right now where we at, definitely integrity and character and, 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 and love, that's, that's, those are the ones that I can initially say, those have been the, probably the foundation or the, or the, mm. the first, the first of, of many. I love that. You said I asked you a great question earlier, but I'm just curious to know what haven't I asked you and what did you want to share with my audience? Well, I mean, you haven't asked a lot of things, but you have asked a lot of things. So I guess it depends. The question would be, what do you feel your audience would benefit from the most we we over here quarantine corona mm. um i speak on transition so we can give them the transition formula or we could talk about okay if there were some some transition mistakes that people make or the the habits of people of how successful transitions what are those things so i guess the question would be what is the most value we can add to your people while they're spending this time with ryan and Derek right now what what's the most value we can give them um while, so, while, while we There'll be people out there right now that are going from the way things were to the way that they're going to be going forward, whether that be life's going to be different in their own business, entrepreneurship, in their current job, or maybe they've been made redundant and they're looking for another one. So let's take that fundamental things are never going to be the same again. How can they move forward with intent, purpose, and confidence? So the first thing they can do without a shadow of a doubt is apply the transition formula and this formula I used during that ultimate transition. And the kicker was, I used it and I put a, a strategy and a blueprint behind it, but I had seen it being used everywhere, but people didn't know they were using it or how to actually go about using it. It was no formula behind it. So the formula is T plus C plus C equals ST. The T stands for takeaway. So when you think about the takeaway, everything that's happening in your life, good, bad, ugly, indifferent, what can you take away from it? When you realize what can you take away from it, what are those things that add value to you? What are those lessons you learn? Once you realize what you can take away from it, the, the C is to correlate. How can you correlate it to where you're at right now or where you're going to be going? So with these changes, with these adjustments, how can you take away some of those, that knowledge, that wisdom, that value you had from the last, the last normal, and how do they correlate to this new normal? Once you realize how they correlate, the next thing you got to do is realize how do you carry them over? And once you realize how you can take those values, those lessons, those, 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 that wisdom correlated to where you're at right now and where you're looking to go and you realize how you can carry it over. If you can mm -hmm. carry it over efficiently and effectively, you can have what we call a, ses a successful transition. So I was able to take those same takeaways I learned in sports and apply them in sales because I got into sales and after three months of using my people skills I developed at a young age, the people skills didn't get me far enough anymore. So I had to learn new skills. So what I had to ask myself is what made me elite in sports? And what I concluded was in sports, 
I became really good at learning and studying film and our opponent. So I said, okay, that was my, that was, that was, this was my takeaway. I can take away how I learned and study the game and how I prepare, my ability to prepare. So I, how does that correlate in sales? All right, so with film study, we would get a, we would get a scouting report of the team. And once we get the scouting report, we will watch film on that team to see the personnel, the alignments, the, the formations. And then once we got that scouting report um, and, and we watched film, we would go walk through. And we would go do a walkthrough to understand the schemes and strategies that they were looking to do and that we were going to implement that week. And after we did the walkthrough, we would go to practice. And we would practice implementing the schemes, the strategy, the personnel, the alignments, the assignments. But while we was practicing, Ryan, it would be getting recorded. So while it was getting recorded, I could go back after practice, review the tape, and look at the alignments, the assignments, the schemes, the strategies, the techniques. Did I do it right? Did I do it wrong? I can make those course corrections, those adjustments, and then I can go execute it the next day at practice better and better and better. So when the game came, I could execute at a high level and not make any mistakes. So when I got into sales, I said, okay, that's how we learn football. That's how we learn our opponent. So I got into sales, right? I had to learn the comp. I had to learn the, um, the company credibility. I had to learn the steps of the sale and the sales process. So I said, okay, I can take those sales process, company credibility, steps of the sale, and I can learn those by doing a role play with one of the other sales reps. So now I'm role playing. I'm understanding the thought process, the philosophy, the strategy, the, the, the information behind the, the company credibility, steps of the sales and the sales process. So after I role played it, Ryan, we start to practice. I practice with my sales reps. So when I was practicing, I was practicing my closes. I was handling my ejections. I was practicing um, my timing on my demeanor, my body language. I was practicing all these things. And then I would record it. So once I recorded it, I can go back and review the tape and say, okay, did I respond properly? How did, how did my, how was my body like? How was my posture? How did they respond? How was my clothes? Was my timing right? Was my voice inflection right? How was my facial expression? And then after I reviewed the tape, I can make those course adjustments over and over and over again. So by the time a rep, I mean, a, a customer sat down with me, I didn't mess up on the sale and I can execute the sale. And I was able to scale and go from making 12 grand to over six figures to helping my whole team of young guys, two of one of them played basketball, one of them played soccer, I mean, um, golf, and the other person never played sports. And we would be the top, one of the top, top groups in the company. And then I would be able to come one of the top reps presenting for the whole company. So I was able to take away the stuff I had learned from, from sports, film study, correlated how it was relevant in sales, and then carried over into sales, and I had this successful transition to my sales career. So if they can take the same transition formula through the midst of the coronavirus or through the midst of the economic changes or through the midst of being divorced or being married or whatever the changes may be, take that formula, the T plus the C plus the C, equal a successful transition and go apply it to your life and your business, and I believe it'll help everybody transition like a champion. Love that. Where can people come and connect with you? Where can they find you and your content? They can find me on all social media platforms at Derek, D-E-R-R-I-C-K, furlough, F-U-R-L-O-W, Jr. So that's on LinkedIn, that's on Twitter, that's on YouTube, that's on Instagram. And they can also go to the DerekFurlow.com website, get the books, or go on their phone because it's already on eBooks, iBooks, audiobooks, you name it there. Or they can go to Amazon. Amazon's all over the place. So I'm, I'm available online, the same handle, um, and it's plenty of free content that just help you through your day. Um, Cause I believe you either in a transition, just came out of a transition or a transition is on its way. So why not get yourself prepared and equipped for the storm? Um, so when it happens, you're not shocked by it and you're ready for it cause your mind is right. So um, that's, that's what they can do. And I just want to give them that value so they can transition like a champion too.
I love that. Thank you so much for your time and your energy and, and, and your stories and your content. Um, I would love it if you leave us with a final thought from your good self. Final thought. It's a couple of them, but we'll go with this one right here. 2020 will either be your crutch or your catapult. You decide. <laughs> nice. Love that. Thank you so much for your time, my friend. Much love. Thank you, Ryan. There we go. What an awesome conversation. I just love the energy that Derek brought to our conversation. Make sure you go and check out what Derek is doing in the world. See how his work can help you transition successfully. And I think the thing I really resonated with most was this sense of being an 89er. An 89er. Because 8 to 9 times out of 10, they are doing the hard work. They're grinding. They're getting it done. They're being always better than yesterday and relentlessly pursuing continuous improvement. Love that. Are you an 89er? With that thought, I'll leave you to next time. Thanks for your support. Much love, guys.